FMX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first... Let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulpamex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpamex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. That's Darkside, everybody. He did a good job hosting. He didn't lock up or anything. Mark, Mark's right dog, you're looking pretty lean. You Am lost, I? lost any weight? No, that's funny. I've actually gained weight. Thank you. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First up, brought to you by Guts Racing. From Alpine Stars, Mr. Connor Olson. What's up, man? You're back. What's going on, Dark Side? It's been uh, a whole, like, six days or so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did a really good job on the classic wrap-up show. There was mass hysteria to have you back on. I think I got, like, maybe one email. and That's impressive. <laughs> and it was actually saying that they did not like you, so that's why you're back. <laughs> Perfect. That was probably my mom. I think she listened and she said I sucked, so she probably emailed in. That that explains the extra download this this last week. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. And uh, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires from Racer X, Kellen Brower, back again. All right. I'm sponsored by Babendum tonight. Let's go. That's a good That's a good sponsor. Babendum is a good sponsor. We got to get them back on for 2021. Uh, as Steve mentioned the other night, uh, Guts Racing's back. The wrap-up show's back. And hopefully we'll have Michelin Bicycle Tires back on as well. And I'm Darkside, obviously, from the Moto X Pod Show. And I'm brought to you by Seal Savers tonight. And don't forget motosport.com for your parts and uh, accessories. But uh, tonight, guys, we're going to talk about episode 442. Jason Thomas, Max Steffens from Fly Racing in studio. A bunch of really good guests on the phone. Daniel Blair, Justin Brayton, Seth Hamaker, Ben Watson, and Carson Mumford. And he, we even had Weege call in, uh, which, you know, he doesn't call into the regular show all the time. Connor, um, in your notes, you talked about You've talked about this before, Connor, the, the, the di- dynamic with JT, Weege, and Steve. How do you like having JT in studio for the whole episode? Yeah, I think um, I think we talked about it last week with uh, with having Weege in studio. It, it was kind of the same same thing, but I guess reversed. Like we hear from JT in like short little spurts when they call when he calls in or when they call him or whatever for the for the pulp show, and it's always like about a reason. He's not really just there to talk and like kind of show his sense of humor and stuff like he always gets some of those little one-liners and stuff in there but i think like having him in studio the whole time always is, is better like we get to laugh about the ketchup and quesadilla stuff and yeah. like we get a lot more out of it than just the, the hour or whatever that he calls in and like the same thing when weeds was on last week that we talked about like uh just the whole dynamic with them three uh, talking about more than just the race recap is always cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I wish JT could be in studio more. Uh, Kellen, Max was in this week. Max hasn't been in a ton. He was in probably the last time I remember him being in was when I was in studio back at the Vegas Supercross last year. Max is really good, but I felt like this week, like he was a little too quiet. I think there was a lot of times I would have liked to ha- have him speak up a little bit more because he's got good stuff. Yeah. Right, absolutely. I was um, a little bit bummed that they didn't do their like usual fly racing sort of contract negotiation that they do. Like it was funny that Max brought in the gargoyle, uh, <laughs> but I thought that was going to lead to Steve saying like, "All right, this year we're getting gargoyles on the helmets, right? And we're doing this gear and that stuff like that." Because uh, usually when Max comes in, that's that's when they uh, break it down. So uh, yeah, Max was a little bit quieter this week. I think obviously he you know, trying to keep it a little bit more mellow tone because he doesn't want to, you know, represent the brand incorrectly or something like sure. that. But um, overall, I think that, you know, he did a, a fairly good job of inputting where he could and kind of letting Steve and JT bounce things off each other a lot, which is, I think, what a lot of people wanted to hear. Yeah, and you, you brought up the contract negotiations. I mean, Steve did try to get a few little things here and there throughout the show. Uh, you know, like he, he told Daniel Blair that all, all the money for the other podcasts were going to go to Pulp and so he, he kind of, you know, he, he joked around a little bit about it, but Connor, you pointed out that uh, Max shut him down real quick. Yeah, it's always, uh, I think Max does it all the time. Like, JT kind of entertains some of them and is like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Or like, <laughs> yeah, just call Craig or something. And like, I always like that Max just, just straight up is like, nope, not going to happen. And he's like super blunt and straightforward and basically like telling Steve to suck it. And yeah. It's good. Yeah, and I do like the fact that he brought the gargoyle in. We've heard the joke for years, <laughs> uh, which I think stems back to Steve trying to be an agent 
Uh, I don't even remember the full backstory. He was being an agent for somebody and said, we need gargoyles or something. And uh, Max played off of that a little bit by bringing him. Here's your gargoyle. So we have a little figurine <laughs> that will probably sit in studio from now on. And speaking of in studio, I was watching on YouTube, as I usually do, and the Cade, the Cade sticker that was on the back of the monitor was gone. Did either of you see that? I did I notice, notice that. that yeah, it, it was gone. So it made it, I think, uh, well, that's probably, what, two weeks, I guess? Or three weeks, maybe? So, yeah, man, maybe the contract negotiations stopped quick with Cade and Pulp already. <laughs> it could be, could be. We'll have to, we'll have to check with Cade on that. Uh and speaking of Max, uh, his his job title is now marketing manager at Fly WPS, and not he's not the director of marketing anymore. So effective immediately, I am promoting you from assistant to the regional manager to assistant regional manager. Yeah. So uh, once again, Max is now marketing manager, no longer director of marketing. Uh, okay, both of you guys deal with some business stuff. What the hell's the difference? Anybody? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I think it's just the title. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really. Know I know the... Max does. I know Max does a hell of a lot more. Like he was. Uh, like, uh, I guess it would have been this year, but like last year, he was mainly just on the racing side and doing yep. some of that, like the gear, like gear stuff and helping with that. But like, kind of overseeing. It sounded like overseeing all the contracts and stuff. And I know, like, this year he had a lot more involvement in um in the like the activation setup in the pits with with a lot of that and figuring out a lot of that stuff and he was over there a lot more and so yeah i don't, I don't know it sounds like he got more stuff to do yeah but a similar title <laughs> i think that's exactly what it was i think he's i think he took on more responsibility and oversees now also the spot that he used to have uh yeah. which I forget the guy's name that took that over. JT told me, um, but yeah, he's he is very busy, as you said. They were sort of joking about him, like Daniel. I think joked that either Max doesn't get back with you, and that means everything's good, or he's mad and then he gets back with you. And uh, okay. with his new position, of course, Steve just had to bring up the employee shitting on him again uh, and ask <laughs> Max this question. Or Max, your new job. Yep, you have people underneath you. 16. 16 people underneath you, right? Do they come in every day and basically call you an asshole? Do they come into your into your office, call you an asshole, maybe kick over your garbage can and walk out? You know what? Uh, you know, I, I wish I could tell you that that didn't happen, but it does. There are moments where, yeah, yeah, I, I get shit from the guy. From okay, like because that. like... Anonymity. Anonymity. You deserve that. I, I got these two over here and then, and then Tomahawk tits as well. And they just, they really enjoy... I pay them. I, I, you know, hope they have a good time. You know, all this, but I, they just shit on me repeatedly every yeah, show. Kind of ask for it. <laughs> I love, uh, I love Kellen. That one Max said, "Yeah, they kind of do sometimes." So that just shoots Steve down right away. But then he's like, "Hey, dude, you kind of ask for it," which I think we all know <laughs> that he does. Yeah, I mean, anybody that knows Steve knows that, like his mantra more or less is that he's kind of a BSer. Like he BSs with you, you BS back with him. It's just kind of a give and take kind of situation. And all of the people that he works with in studio, he has known for many years. So they know him well enough to this point where they know what he can take and what they're, what he's going to give back and stuff like that. So I think to a degree, Mathis is, you know, embellishing it for the show again. Um, but it adds to the show in a sense because them making fun of him is making the show a little bit better on the side as well. 
Yeah, do you think, uh, Kellen, that his Steve's little rants on his employees, like the week I was in or whatever, do you think that has any effect really on Talon, Marks, or Tits at all? Like they're going to be like, oh, I better shape up, I better change? I think maybe with Talon a little bit just because, you know, he's still kind of new with uh, Marks moving over to the like uh, video producer role and Talon's right. more of the in-studio guy now. Uh, but I don't think Tits or marks care at all because like i said they've known steve a very long time they've worked with him a very long time so yeah. they just they kind of know what they can do and what they can't and i i really would fear if marks ever left that things might revert back a little bit as far as technology wise because really a lot of what we're getting now and steve has given him credit but that's that's marks uh what do you think connor yeah i mean we talked about it last week on, yep. on just like how different the sound is and and the drops and, and obviously the video stuff and all of that. Like this week, I, I watched a little bit on, on YouTube also. Like I listened to some and watched a little and, and kind of mixed and matched. So it, it's cool to be able to do that. And, I mean, like you said, that's all that's all March. So, like, yeah, I think it would take probably a pretty big step back or, or not progress anymore, I guess, might be more accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I think you're right. So I think Steve better Steve better walk that line a little bit with Marks. Um, if you guys listened, you know there is a contest this week to win a set of light fly racing light gear, which is my gear choice uh, gear line of choice. All you got to do is send an email to contest at pulpmxshow.com and put light in the content content line, not light hydrogen. It is now officially light. But a lot of people on YouTube were asking what that email was. They didn't catch it. It's always contest at pulpmexshow.com if it's a contest. Uh, also, if you guys were watching on YouTube early in the show, we got a Pookie appearance. That's always good for uh, us Pookie fans. We love that. But, hey, Connor, this just in. I've got a question from a Pulpamex wrap-up show listener that says, hey, did, he wants to know if you got fat since you failed uh, at your outdoor attempts. I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to this question directly to his name of Justin. Um, the I'm I'm assuming it's him, but the first thing first is there was no failed attempt. We uh, we succeeded this year, and uh, actually no, I've lost more weight since then, so he can suck it. Well, I cannot I cannot throw our listeners under the bus, but you take that with with you know take it where you may. <laughs> Um, but it rhymes with Schmustin Schmenning. It, it may. It very well may. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get to some of the topics of the show, Kellen, right off the bat. And I know you've probably been working on this a lot at Racer X. Uh, the national numbers talk. They both stuck with their original numbers. Zacho 16. Of course, he had a chance before when he won the 250 title, mm -hmm. and he didn't choose it. And Ferrandez stuck with 14. As a fly racing rep, and somebody like Zach that you've known forever, and he's war number eight at this nation, so we've seen like him with a single digit. Would you have wanted him to pick five or eight that numbers were available? No, I would prefer him to stick with 16 just because everything we build around is normally pretty far in advance. I would. I want him to go eight uh, because I think being a single digit in this sport is yeah. one of the highest honors you can get. Um, you, know, you know, I go back to when I was a kid, and you know this as well. You look back and you think of the guys that were like number four and number six and number – you're just like, 
that's the coolest thing ever. If it wasn't a number that you liked, it wouldn't have mattered. Just, yeah, just no, you're, you're taking single digits. Well, yep. if it was a number I just absolutely despised or something, but with five open, eight open, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Because I know there is value in branding. Do you think the riders actually think about that, though? Well, I Zach, I, Zach would. I think Zach would for sure. Right. I don't know Dylan well enough to know, but I mean, yeah. like, I just makes me curious that the riders are actually like, oh, well, I got all this. Like, I wonder if they go through that process or if I it's mean, just like, I like six. So in Dylan's case, if you take that eight, that's it. You're going to be eight now for the rest of your U.S. career or whatever, or, or it's five or whatever. So it, to me, it makes it in a branding sense. You build a brand from here. Yes, from yeah. here you make a brand, yeah. a, a build a brand from that's, here. All right, Kellen. So, again, I know this has been a hot topic at Racer X recently. Uh, big news and all that, but you know, M- Max has the idea or the opinion, the point that there's a branding thing, right? When you're a company like Fly Racing, you also want that brand. But then JT kind of has, well, there's also a coolness factor of having a single digit number. Um, where do you stand? What do you think about their their thoughts and opinions on the show? Yeah, I'm I'm more with JT a little bit because you know the the. Uh, excitement, I guess, of having a single digit is a big deal for a lot of these guys. Obviously, you win a championship, it's a prestigious thing. I was surprised when Osborne didn't pick a single digit when he won his 250 outdoor title in 17, and we even had like texts going around when they were deciding numbers, and Osborne was in between 8 and 16, and uh, obviously we know he, he stuck with 16, but I, I thought he should have went 8, and I thought Ferranda should have went single digit as well. I mean, you can track back Ferrandez, who was 122 in Europe, and then he was four for a little while, so 14 kind of makes sense. But, mm-hmm. uh, again, branding-wise, it, it makes more sense for these guys to be kind of the face of the sport with a single digit. Like, it, it almost looks uh, unnatural or, or weird sometimes when you have, like, 94 plastered in your face, and you're kind of like, well, how is that a big deal in the sport? Um, but, you know, we know it because Ken Roxon, but I feel like the casual fans would want one or three or five or whatever to be the the faces of the sport so yeah it was a little weird that they didn't take it but i mean from their standpoint i guess they just already felt they were branded enough in the uh the ones they had yeah and i think that was a uh you know that was mentioned that zach is already established but dylan's at kind of early in his career and could build a brand from where he's at but then like connor you take other racing sports you know uh indy uh you know formula one uh nascar those guys don't change their numbers year to year. I don't think they have that kind of system. As far as I know, I don't follow it completely, but I mean, I know Jeff Gordon was always 24, right? And you know, Jimmy Johnson was always 48. Uh, we just become, we, we knew those guys as those numbers, at least for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we all probably deal with it. Like come a one or whatever the rounds are going to be this year or whatever, like come the first round, you're like, who the hell is that guy? And like, yeah. kind of, we kind of know to pick it up from like riding styles and and like some other stuff, but like like Kellen was just saying, like some of the casual fans, like it's gonna take them a while to figure out who's who. And I mean, yeah, I get the whole branding aspect of it. I I, I think like you guys said, I I agree with JT and and I get it from uh, from Zach's side. Like he's already established, he's been there. But this was a chance, I think, for for Ferrandis to start something like everyone else has their their number and they have a brand and they have some shirts or like whatever um whatever like logo that everyone kind of associates with them i think this was a chance for and i mean whatever it's still a chance for him to do it but it was a chance for him to do it with a single digit number like jt said is so prestigious in the sport and like 
he could have taken something like five that has so much like power behind it. Sure. Um, just from being with Dungey forever. Like I think he could have, he could have taken that and like, it kind of automatically makes you just kind of a badass. So, See, I don't. I guess I don't care. Like, I, I, I'm used to Roxton being 94. I like that. You know, like if Pastrana had raced his whole career, I would have wanted him to stay 199. Like, I, I kind of feel a little differently. I think than everybody else. I kind of like them staying the same number. And JT mentioned, you know, in the 90s, like everybody changed every year. You earned your number. I didn't really dig that so much. I, I kind of like, I like the branding, but I like. Like with with Osborne in particular, he's been sixteen. For, you know, stay sixteen. I'm cool with it. It doesn't. But how about thirteen, Connor? You you race. You know, at a pro level. Um, do you have any? Is there any stigma for you with the number thirteen? Like they talked about. Um, I don't. I, I don't know that I would like turn it down. But at the same time, what they were talking about, like they kind of have a point that. I don't know. I'm not superstitious at all, but I there's, there's kind of a point that the last five guys that have had the numbers haven't done really good with it. True. So I don't I don't know. Just I like me myself. If I got presented with that or was able to get that, or I guess was able to pass on that number, I think I would have just from the track record of the number. Honestly. Okay. Well, hey, good. Uh, that's that's an opinion, and uh, that's what those guys seem to think. You know, and. Uh, it, it was interesting. I, to me, again, I, yeah, I don't really have any superstition either. So I think if I had an opportunity and that was the the lowest number, and I decided I wanted to change numbers, I thirteen. I wouldn't have any problem running thirteen. Um, I wanted to sorry, Dark. Yeah, I wanted have to jump it. in real quick. Um, everybody loves when we get when we give our opinions on this show. But of the, course, the weird thing for, to me here for. about the whole the the whole number system, right, is that like these guys want to brand themselves. But what is weird is that all these guys have, like, this race to get the lowest digit they possibly can. Tyrannis and Osborne are both kind of guilty of this. Like, they picked the lowest number that was more or less available when they had a chance to sure. in the double digit. But then they refused to pick a single digit. Like, <laughs> like you're saying, if Pastrana yeah. had stuck with 199, Porcel, you know, 377, Alessi, 800. Like, those are cool because those are, like, very specific numbers that we know yeah. these guys have. If Osborne... State is 338 or picks 38 or something like that. I totally understand him not going single digit, but the fact that yep. he already once went as low as he could and then didn't go to the single digit is what kind of strikes me as weird. Well, way to blow yeah. my blow my thought out of the water. <laughs> I was actually going to say that too, like because because we know Roxon and Pastrana and like all of the examples that Kellen just gave. Like we know those guys from that number and, and exactly what you just said, Kellen. Like if Zacho went back to 338, then start a brand or whatever Ferrandis was like growing up as an amateur or something like that. Like then do that or pick the lowest number you possibly can. Okay. All right. Good thoughts. Um, let's uh, let's move on to what typically is one of my favorite segments, and that's the race tech rant. We had an oldie but a goodie. Let's listen to it. It is fucking insane that they count 250 Supercross points for a national number. It is absolutely ridiculous. It is a regional series. You race against half the competition, and somehow they're telling you that that ninth place that, not to pick on them, but uh, Jay Owen got is the same as a ninth place in the 450 class. Yeah, it's, that, not, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not. 450 Supercross 
class is tougher, it is harder, and the fact that those guys get screwed is a joke. It's the worst rule ever. It was a rule brought in because the guess what? Guess who wanted the, that rule? The 250 teams wanted that rule. Oh, fucking shocker. Hey, let's hey, let's look out for ourselves and, and make a rule that benefits our team. Jeff Myshek, who I like, told me this will allow the 250 riders to brand themselves early with a number. Mm-mm. I don't agree with that take. Um, the degree of difficulty for getting fifth in a 450 main event versus fifth on a regional series is uh, uh, can't quantify. And like, fit, yeah, guys that are getting 15th, you, you watch like Tickle and these guys battling for 15th. Right. He's a champion in the 250 class. Yeah. And then you watch the 15th and the 250, and you're like, okay, great rider, but yeah. come on. Right. All right, Connor, I'm going to let you have at this first. Uh, this this is a rant that I, I think Steve's dead on. I think sometimes he's out to lunch on things, but this one, yeah, he's he's 100% correct, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we've been hearing about this for a while, too. It's not a, a new topic or anything, but, I mean, it all it, it makes sense. Like, I don't know how how the AMA or whoever else can justify, like, like they're saying, 15th in both classes equals the same amount of points when when the, the the payout isn't even remotely close and, like, the amount of ride, like, it's all it's all totally different. So, uh, I yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what they're saying and, and what you're saying, too. So, with, okay, let me ask you just in general, with the Race Tech Rant segment, he he rehashes his rants sometimes. Do you, does it bother you that it's not a new rant every week? That we're kind of that these things just don't ever die with him. Uh, no, I don't think that it. I don't think that it bothers me. I mean, we we talked about it last week. Like he's still talking about stuff from 2015. We still hear <laughs> yeah, yeah, hear yeah. some things coming yeah. up. But I think that's just kind of what what makes us all enjoy it. Like you get you get stuck on these things that they bring up and it's funny still. Like, I mean, the, I, I know I had it in my notes, but like the Tomahawk thing, like there's, we're still talking about that like months later and it's going to be a topic still. Like, I think that's just one of the things that makes us all laugh about the show. I agree. Um, Connor, I want to get your thoughts on this, but he brought up that it was the worst rule ever. And what I didn't play in the audio was, uh, I think it was JT that brought up the ping pong balls, uh, for for drawing for for starting positions uh, is the worst rule ever. Who do you do you agree with one of them? Which rule is the worst? Um, shit, I don't. <laughs> I, I I think the the ping pong ball thing. I think just it it blows my mind. Like in the long run, the numbers don't really matter. Like it doesn't matter if if uh, four fifty guy is twenty six rather than thirty six or whatever. Like in the long run, that doesn't really matter. But if you show up to donations and a monster girl picks the ball for you and it's a 35 and whatever your team USA or uh, France or one of the like title contenders, that could ruin your entire weekend. And like in our eyes, uh, like a, a real genuine fan, like that's the biggest race in the world. Right. So like that, we, we, a lot of us take a lot of pride in that. Like I know, I mean, I've been to a handful of them. Like a lot of a lot of us take a lot of pride in that. So for I know Steve's ran is like to have this race, kind of like your first step of the race is set by a monster girl picking a ping pong ball. Like it's kind of messed up that that it even lets that much of it go to chance. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're not. I think it's it's a little silly that that's the way it goes. 
I don't know about being worse rule. It, it's it's a yeah. it's a uh, strange. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, process. Yeah, strange process for sure. Um, how about Con- uh, Connor the or uh, Kellen? Let's go with Kellen. How about JT saying maybe the 250 guys should get half points? I don't know. I mean, I, I just think the whole thing is kind of stupid. As they're saying, like it just doesn't really makes sense that they get to race lesser competition and it still count even kind of the same. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the rule is there because the 250 teams wanted to brand their riders, but it doesn't even really work because there's not enough races in the year for them to get to that level most of the time. Like, Jet Lawrence still doesn't have a permanent number. Austin Forkner still doesn't have a permanent number. You know, like, injuries probably come into play a little bit there, but right. these guys wanted their, their, their riders to have a brand for themselves at a young age and Forkner has been at it for five years now and still doesn't have it. So like it, it just doesn't really accomplish what the 250 teams wanted. And the whole thing is just kind of a crapshoot at this point to try to figure out who's going to end up in the thirties now, because everybody else has already picked in, you know, basically one through 27 at this point. Yeah. And I think that was JT made that point. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny when he was talking about JT was talking about, these guys being eligible, and I think Steve's quote was, they should be eligible for nothing. <laughs> he's just, you know, and he's like, all right, all right, half point. I, I'll give you half point. But he, he kind of caved a little bit on that. But he, he gets pretty adamant. And, of course, with this topic, it's a, it's a good topic. Uh, and Steve always says, you know, the, the industry and the riders, they listen to the show. So we had Carson Mumford call in, Kellen, uh, who had his own opinion. He's trying to defend it a little bit. But in the end... Uh, I think he he kind of su- he sort of saw the light of what Steve and JT were trying to say. What do you think about Connor calling in or Carson? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just love when uh, there's riders listening to the show yeah. and just kind of offhand call in and defend a point about anything like that. Like that's uh, always really cool and adds to the show because you don't you don't listen to the show expecting to hear Mumford and then suddenly he's on the phone defending and it's maybe one of the better interviews of the night because it's just funny and, and off key and stuff like that. Um, but I liked what. I did like what Carson had to say, but I still kind of don't really agree with it more or less because like even in him, you know, in, in himself, he just raced the 250 outdoor season and he still ended up ahead of a lot of guys that raced the full 450 supercross campaign and had to make it into those 22 rider main events that are, you know, Chad Reed is racing in last, last chance qualifiers. And, you know, they had to beat Chad Reed to get into those main events. Right. And they still end up with a worse number than Carson. So I don't know. It's, it, uh, it just sucks. <laughs> well, I have a feeling this rant will probably come up again in another, I don't know, six months, nine months, maybe a year, but it, it will be back. Uh, Kellen, you, you made the point of how cool it is when these riders call in to defend something or, or talk. I, I wanted to ask you if you had a favorite moment where a rider called in to defend anything, maybe like two, three weeks ago. <laughs> you mean David Brad, Bradshaw calling in for you? Oh, that's that's um, a good one. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good one, actually. Um, yeah, you caught me a little bit off guard. I'm trying to think. Uh, you, you did well. Uh, that's, that's all we need. Yeah, that's, you did well. <laughs> you, I threw the softball. You knocked it out of the park. Uh, <laughs> hey, before we proceed, once again, I, I really I love the fact that I get to do this Pulpamex wrap-up show. Uh, I, I'm glad that Steve allows it. I'm glad that some people like it. Uh, and I want to thank the sponsors because without these guys, there's no way I'd be able to do this. Uh, Guts Racing established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company. 
offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Also, you guys know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from Pulpamex. Now I want to tell you about Michelin bicycle tires. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, uh, check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. And, of course, Seal Savers on board late this year, but I think they're going to stick around for next year. Uh, since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Visit www.sealsavers.com and use promo code PULP25 for 25% off. And, of course, you can always go to pulpmexshow.com. Click on the Sponsors tab, and uh, there's links, discount codes, all kinds of stuff. I just ordered a bunch of Grill Your Ass Off the other day. It came in this week. I uh, used the code, of course, and there's lots more. Support all the sponsors that support these shows that you love so we can keep doing this. Um, all right, guys. Hey, let me ask you this right now, Kellen. Who is – do you have a favorite product or sponsor, sponsor read that's involved with Pulp Mex? Ooh, another offhand question. Yeah, I just, um, just came to me. That's a good one. Uh, I always just like Michelin's reads, um, and I know they're associated with this show as well because I, I just like the creative genius that usually comes from the mind of Randy Richardson. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think all the sponsors have some pretty good stuff, and, and yeah. we obviously get to hear it sometimes in the commercial breaks. Yeah, they're good. How about you, Connor? You got? Do you have one that uh, that you always like? How about just commercials in general? Do you have one? Do you listen to them all the way through? Let me ask you that. And if you do, do you have one that like makes you laugh? Because like every time uh, I hear the Africa song, literally, I heard the the Africa song on the radio, and it blew. It messed me up because I was like, those, those aren't the right lyrics. Where Where's Steve? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Um, I I feel like I might get shit if I. Don't say Alpine Stars is my favorite sponsor of the <laughs> Pulp and Max Empire shows. Um, I I sometimes listen to the commercials. Um, the the I don't even honestly I don't even know if it's still going. But is the Michelin one that Randy talks about all of the different products and is is Randy still doing the Michelin one? No, Dylan, super fan Dylan does it right now. The, the current one. Uh, well, that one that Randy did. Randy is like Kellen just said. Randy is one of the funniest dudes I think I've ever met in my life. Yep. Um, and that, that commercial that he did was awesome. Um, I really like Kiefer's grill your ass off read. That's one of the best, the best things. Like the first time I heard it, the library. Um, yeah, yeah. The first time I heard it, I was kind of like in shock. I was like, what in the hell is going on right now? But this is awesome. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I, I actually uh, reached out or on Twitter, I think, today with uh, the Grill Your Ass Off guy because he's a Texas guy. And I was like, hey, man, we need to do a, uh, a tailgate party at Houston. You know, let's do a Grill Your Ass Off tailgate party. Yeah. So he, his, uh, his response is, you know, whose grill are we going to use? So if we could get we could get a grill, <laughs> maybe we'll have a Grill Your Ass Off tailgate if, uh, party. If we, if we activate, if we have, like, the activation set up, I'll bring the grill. 
Oh, perfect. Wait, maybe we can. That'd be an awesome thing if we can get like a little Pulpamex tailgate party with grill your ass off. That'd be fantastic. We, we'll yeah. work on that. I need to order some of that stuff, dude. It's I need, good. I'm gonna do that tonight. Yeah, I had ordered it's some really previously, good. and then Steve gave me a couple sample packs, so I had some other stuff that I hadn't purchased, and I immediately went out and purchased full size bottles. Uh, I took the sample packs to work, kind of spread those around with the guys I work with, let them try it out. It's it's fantastic. Uh, all right. Let's get back to the show. Uh, something I want to point out. There's a couple callers, uh, and I'll ask you, uh, Kellen, a couple callers that called in. The guy that called in with about the kid riding 80s, uh, there was a possibility that a kid passed away, that story. There was another guy, Jason, that called about Christian Craig moving up, and there was just a ton of background noise in these calls. Um, did you notice that? Because that crap drives me crazy. Um, I did notice it on one call because I, I, I do remember that Steve uh, was trying to answer a question and then he's like, all right, we got to go, and, and, you know, doing a typical Steve thing. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I guess sometimes the background noise doesn't bother me that much. Okay. Quite honestly, when I do listen to the show, it's not like I'm, I'm super, like, dialed into the show. Like, I'm kind of listening and I'm trying to, you know, pick up some key points and stuff like that. Okay. Um, sometimes it is really bad and... And Massachusetts usually is very quick to shut it down, but I didn't actually notice it this week. How about you, uh, Connor? Because, like I said, the, the one that I think he shut down was Jason about Christian Craig, and it was echoing back, and it sounded like he had the speakerphone on, and Steve was like, all right, we got to go. But also the whole the whole call with the other guy, I didn't write his name down, with the kid on 80s, and, you know, should I move my kid up or whatever, there was just this background noise the whole time even uh i think it was maybe ben when ben watson was on it sounded like somebody was in the background doing dishes yeah yeah it um it frustrates the hell out of me because i i mean you know I, I drive all the time so i'm listening like in the van in between dealer visits or like driving across the country or whatever so like i have to have the i have the show turned up really loud just yep. from driving and all the wind noise and stuff so like you're on the phone and uh, or like they're on the phone and it's just so loud in the background, like it's louder than the show itself. So yeah, it it frustrates me too. I noticed it on. Um, I did hear the dishes in the back of Watson's call, and then uh, yeah, I noticed the uh, the the one call about the I think the Christian Craig thing. I heard all of that too. Yeah, yeah. And look, man, my sound quality sometimes there's there's issues you can't always control, but if you're a, if you're calling in. You got to turn the, the whatever you're watching or listening to the show on. You got to turn that off because it's, yeah. it, there's a delay and it's going to feed back. And if you're on Bluetooth or anything, when you talk, that that it's a cycle. It comes out your speaker and back to your microphone, and that picks up on the show. So you guys got to work on that. Uh, and yeah, I feel like part of the I, was say, I feel like the problem with that, unfortunately, is that Steve leaves these guys on hold a pretty long time, and I mean. I'm sure you know there's a lot of these guys that are in their garage or yeah. something, and they just put it on speakerphone, and they're just tooling with their bike, and then suddenly they're on the phone, and they probably forget it's on speaker or, or what have you. I, I totally get you know that it, it needs to be cleaned up, but I also understand sometimes why they have to you know have a loud background noise or whatever. Yeah, he took a call from Nick uh, Monday night. He said Nick's been on hold for over an hour, and he went to him, and it was just background noise, and Nick wasn't yep. in there. <laughs> so, yeah. Poor Nick. Um all right, Connor, Justin Brayton, good call, friend of the show, always a good interview, lots of good stuff. What what stood out for you with Justin Brayton? Yeah, Brayton, um, Brayton's always like you said, a, a friend of the show. It's um, 
they always have that good kind of chemistry like we've been talking about um, on this show and on the show before and everything. So it's always cool just to hear them kind of going back and forth and bullshitting and, like, talking about some other stories. And um, it is cool to hear that Brayton is kind of figuring out his stuff and it sounds like he's going to Penrite and um, going to be around at least for a year or two. That's uh, that's definitely exciting. But I just think, like, with Weege calling in and then you get that chemistry with Weege and the rest of them. And then we also have Justin, who we know that is Weege's the biggest super fan of. Uh, it, it definitely brings some some laughs and some kind of inside stories into it, and it's uh, it's always interesting to hear them all talk. Yeah, since you brought up weeds, let's let's jump to that audio. Yeah, oh. weeds, weeds. <laughs> oh yeah, JB, this is awesome. It's the only reason I would ever listen to this dumb show, but at least they got a good guest. <laughs> First time I seen weeds in New Zealand. We show up at this place. And literally within five minutes, he's telling me how expensive the coffee is. <laughs> he's talking about how much money he's spent so far. <laughs> it was hilarious. Are we, are we going to be okay without the Australia-Paris-Geneva head of steam? Are we going to be okay? Oh, now we're just going to be rested and ready to roll. All right. That's it. He was in the press box. He's just... His pants were off. It was. It was. It was. He, he put all caps and tweets. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. He, that was a bunch of laps led. That was. Sol- that was a solid amount this, up front. This, I feel it was a solid I, effort up front. I feel like we. You said like in all caps. This is how the season begins, or this is what you're all looking at. Like it was. This is an indication. Yeah. God, and Brayton, you don't even know. Like, yeah, sitting next to Weege in a press box, like JT, you've been there. Uh, it's just fuck. Like, you you get a whole shot. You come out first in practice. You jump something before anybody else. He's <laughs> typing as fast as yeah. he can with like smiles and giggles. And he's he's like perfect ten, perfect ten. He's yelling, and it's always in all caps. Oh yeah, no, but he's he's yelling yeah. in the press box yeah, at us. Like, if JB gets out first in practice, look who's out front. Yep, there okay. we go. Like, it's like Brayton. Can this you, is our night. Yeah, like this is our night. Exactly. Like JB, it's just ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. So you never hey, know. I learned from the best. Again, I learned from the best. The number fifteen. Uh, you really taught me well. Wow. You have a point there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kellen. Well, uh Weege. Is Weege your boss? Yes. Okay, so your boss, Weege, again to, for the for Monday night. Steve gets called out again. You know, you can't really bust my balls on this because all you do is, you know is uh love up on Tim Ferry. So that's good, but uh a lot of people Kellen talk about the review show that they do after a race. JT Weege and Steve, that may be the best uh for me like the best product that comes out of Pulpomex because of the three of them. We talked about this a little while ago. Their the relationship, the dynamic between those three. So him calling in on the Pulp show, which he doesn't do very often, may be the highlight. Yeah, and I mean, obviously with Brayton there, it's just it's double. You know, it's like icing on the cake, really, for Weege because he just is in love with Brayton. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, the dynamic between those guys—that's why having JT or having Weege in studio is awesome. Because you know, Mathis has people in studio all the time that you know he's he's buddies with, but he's not like a, a close friend per se with. Right. Uh, but with Weege and JT, they they go back for years they've been friends forever and they really know how to rib each other and not you know kind of rib too far or anything like that so the commentary between all three of them is always fantastic and when you have Weege call in like that off the cut 
uh, I thought he was great. And that's, that's why I put it as one of my top five things too, because again, with like the, the Brayton thing, you know, him being my boss, I see this all the time. Like there was a day, I think last week where we just, he wasn't online all day. We didn't know where he was. And then suddenly he writes in our little group chat, all caps, I found Brayton. And then we just <laughs> never saw him the rest of the day. So, uh, like we see how much the Brayton love happens, yeah. but you know, for the fans to be able to see how how much <laughs> Weege and JV get along, and, and that fandom is just awesome and a really great part of the show. And, and it's cool that Brayton gives the love back. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like they they, they legitimately they do hang out a lot right. in North Carolina, and and Weege was sort of like excited that Brayton wasn't going to have to go to Australia this year <laughs> because that. he can hang out with, he can hang out with JB a little bit more. Right. Um, a little bit there, their kids were kind of like hanging out a little bit. Uh, we just son lane and then Brayton's daughter uh, were hanging out. So it was just like a whole family affair for them. And, and they're, they're definitely super stoked to be hanging out all off season. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Connor, would you, uh, would you pay if you're just an average guy, you know, not in the industry, would you pay for the VIP experience to sit in the press box and just watch that react. Just watch Weege and his his uh, love for J- uh, JB. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, shit, I want to do it. Even in the industry, I, w- I would pay <laughs> to do that. That would be awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like like we've all talked about, like the relationship between those guys, like what we get of uh, get out of on some of these shows with them, like being able to get that not being recorded on a podcast and oh, like yeah. just being in a press box by themselves and like the stories we got out of them at the Salt Lake thing and some of these other races that they're like stuck together or like just hanging out in these places. Like, Oh hell yeah. I would pay for that now. I've been very fortunate to get to sit in on some of that at a few rounds where those three are there. And then I've got to sit in when Kiefer's been there with them. And a couple times, you know, Chad Reed shows up when he was, wasn't racing. He was at some of these and then just like his disgust with some of the things these guys would say. Uh, yeah, I, I've had the pleasure of just kind of sitting in the back and watching it all take place, and it would definitely be worth paying for, for sure. Um, yeah. Connor, I want to get back to JB a little bit. Uh, I want to give a shout-out again to Nick Stills. There's Nick Still who has helped me out over the last few weeks with some notes, one of our listeners from Australia. He, he brought up that he really liked how Je- uh, Justin talked about missing – the overseas races this year, like how much he really loves being over there. Uh, Not to mention the fact that it's hurting his pocketbook, but that he just loves being over there and being a part of that. Um, Yeah. He he thought that was how grateful he was for the opportunities he's had. Uh, Those are some, some notes from Nick. What did you think about that? You think uh, Justin seemed pretty okay with the fact that he's not going to get to go over there. He's bummed, but like, he's not obviously it's not going to kill him financially. But I, I really thought his the way he talked about it, uh, his, the way he expressed it was pretty touching. Yeah, it was definitely um, like you said. It was it was kind of a touching thing. Like obviously, it's something that I know he he likes for a lot of reasons. Like I mean, who wouldn't like to go to Australia and race their dirt bike with their whole family for a couple months and make an ass load of money? Like yeah, no doubt. There's a, there's definitely a lot of upsides to it. Um, but I think like he said. I don't know what's he done it four years in a row, I think. So I, I would believe that kind of taking one, one of the winters or whatever summer over there, like taking one of the seasons off, isn't all that bad. Like he definitely handled it well. Um, and I think he knows that 
he'll get to go back next year and probably the year after. So I think he he got to enjoy a little bit more time at home and time hanging out with Weege and growing down and riding their everyone riding bicycles and doing all that. So so yeah, I think like you said, it was kind of a, a cool a cool take from him, like how he's expressing it and how he's just handling it in general. All right, so something I wanted to, the, the thing I wanted to touch on was Steve kind of giving Justin some crap, Connor, about not going out to eat, not leaving the hotel. You know, you know, just or Steve just kind of he wanted to hang out with his buddies. He wanted to go into town with his race buddies. And Justin said, hey, man, once the racing starts, I'm not leaving. JT kind of agreed with him. I don't know about you, yeah. dude. If I don't get to travel anywhere near what these guys do, but I can't imagine being in this awesome city and just sitting in the hotel. I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. I'm with Steve on this one. Yeah. I, um, I think, I, I mean, well, I don't think I, I know I'm with JT and Brayton on this too. Cause like, even with just, even with me traveling as much as I do and like not even racing, like just work traveling. Like if I stay in a hotel to have the restaurant there, even if I've eaten there four days in a row, I'm just going to go there. I don't have to worry about getting in a car. I don't have to worry about driving around and doing something like maybe, I mean, even if it's a city that I'm new to, I still don't do that. Like it's just the ease of being there and, and doing it. And, um, I think to, to a full different aspect of, of them is they're, there racing and the easiest, least amount of thinking they can do. You walk down to the, the lobby bar or whatever, you get your food and you go back to your room and you're done. You don't have to worry about getting an Uber or finding something and hoping the menu's okay or something like that. So no, you're I, wrong. I'm on their side. That, that you're wrong. Your opinion's wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> Kellen, the one I've got for you is Steve trying to negotiate deals uh, once again, as if he's an agent uh, hey, to Justin. Hey, let's get you in a formula, which I'm all on board for. But yeah, he's trying to make deals. We'll get you a, a replica while Max and JT are just sitting there shaking their heads going, yeah, that's no, no. Uh, what'd you think about that? It's pretty funny. See that. Yeah. I mean, that to me is, is why having Max on the show is awesome. Cause <laughs> right. I feel like that's where Steve, Steve goes in on it a little bit. Cause he's like, this guy's right in front of me. I'm going to like kind of poke the bear a little bit. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's kind of weird that Brayton isn't fly more or less head to toe. Obviously he'd probably still be an Alpine star boots, but, uh, yeah, the showy deal, for Brayton, obviously, works really well, um, but I think you know Fly would be a, a great fit head to toe for for Brayton, and I think that's why Mathis is kind of poking at them, yeah. saying like, "Hey, like you have this guy sitting right here. He was on factory Honda this year, and he could have been you know Fly head to toe for you guys, but he wasn't. How about we renegotiate? How about we figure something else out? You know." But uh, yeah, I, I just love that interaction where he he kind of takes the reins as the agent role a little bit. Yeah, the uncomfortableness of it, if that's a word is is yeah. hilarious but when you're watching it i don't know if you guys watched that particular or earlier a little bit earlier in the show they brought it up to begin with uh, about getting justin in a formula before justin actually came on and jt made the comment you never know what could happen and he kind of looked over at max and had this look on his face where i was like oh like yeah. okay my opinion, which I know nothing, is he will be wearing a formula. That's what I took from the reaction. Did either of you see it or even hear it? Did it sound that way over the audio? 
I heard it, and I, I I think I agree with you. Like just hearing hearing what JT said about it, yeah. Um, without even seeing their faces, like I I got that impression as well. Okay. What yeah, we- I think that uh, that's definitely a good kind of key into it a little bit. Uh, although Brayton did pump up the showy quite a bit, so I wonder if he was almost like doing that as a means to say like, oh no no no, that's not happening. But uh, I I do agree that he would probably be in a formula next year. I'm going to take it as he still has a good relationship with Shoei and he's still in a contract mm-hmm. at the moment, but yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm calling it Come probably November 1st, 2nd <laughs> or 3rd, whenever, whenever <laughs> right. announces theirs. <laughs> yeah. They also made mention of somebody wearing the new fly goggle, uh, in, in 21. And I, I wonder, I kind of wonder if it's Baggett. That's kind of who I was thinking. Yeah. I think it would have to be someone that's already, in their gear unless yep. they, they sign who they believe is a big name. Like they're not going to put fly goggles on somebody who's in Thor gear. Out no, no. It, gear most likely. So yeah. I think it's a head to toe like deal. Yeah. Uh, I, well, other than boots, I th- it'd probably be like Alpine Star, you know, cause WPS carries Alpine Star and Garnet. Right. So, right. but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Baggett. That's my guess on that. Again, I texted Steve and he, that question and he didn't respond. So, that doesn't mean anything, though. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, all right. So uh, rookie or soon-to-be rookie Seth Hamaker was on. I didn't take a lot of notes on him. Young guy. Talked about Epstein Barr, um, which, you know, kind of his his uh, history with Epstein Barr and how it affected him. Uh, the one thing I did think was kind of funny that I thought was – I always liked the stuff with young guys, Kellen, was Steve said, hey, you don't need a girlfriend. Swipe right when you need to. Don't party at Temecula. That's good advice for a young guy because I think we're uh, we're seeing some effects from the ladies with one of his teammates. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. We know who I'm talking about. Yep. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, Kiefer always proposes the, the home life mantra, but Mathis kind of goes the other direction and says, like, uh, it doesn't matter or whatever, except for he's the complete opposite with 250 riders. Like, he says, for 450 riders, they could be banging chicks all day long, and it doesn't matter. But he's like, 250 riders, i got to stay away from the chicks. They're too young. Uh, but I like, right, and I liked hearing uh, from Handmaker because I felt like I got, like, a real good sense of, of where his determination level is at to make a solid debut and make a good impression right off the, the get-go. Like, he, he's not one of these talky kids like he's been on team green for a while but he's not coming in with like a head full of steam saying like i'm gonna win right off the bat or anything like that like yeah he seemed pretty measured with his expectations and goals coming in for the season and that was really refreshing to hear yeah it's very true very seemed humble uh i think he's gonna be a kid that probably you know hopefully he does well and hopefully yeah a kid that we're gonna really enjoy watching race in the next few years um all right uh x-brand tear-offs from our boy Weege this time, no, not Moser. Uh, I, there's a, one in particular that I made a note of, and actually a few other people kind of sent me some comments on it. The Connor, this is for you. Time time for Amart to uh, – this was a question, obviously. Or is it time for Amart to just bet on himself and move up to the 450s? And Steve's reaction was basically, look, if he doesn't get a, a factory 250 ride, I think he said if he's not on a – if he's going to have to be like a privateer 250 type guy, then yes. But it, it kind of made it sound like he's saying, well, if he can get a factory 250 ride, then stay with it, which seems very contradictory to what he said about his brother. Uh, am I misreading this? Is that how you took it? Because I, I think Steve's kind of waffling. Yeah, I kind of noticed that too. I, I think his 
um, he's blinded by his love for Amart. Because, um, I mean, like you said, he, he has a totally different approach for he had it for Marty. He has it for J-Mart. He had it for, or he currently has it for Shane. Like, he's he's had this stance of move up. Even if you have a factory 250 ride and you can make tons of money, like JT always says, like, why are you going to turn down a quarter of a million dollars riding a factory 250 when you can go potentially make more money on a 450, but realistically probably make half? Yeah. Uh, you think anybody will call Steve out on that? I mean, sh- maybe like I, don't I think know. you should. I was, uh, maybe I should call in next week and ask him because <laughs> you know, he probably won't listen to this. So no, I don't uh, think he's listened to any of the ones that I've been on. I listen to the Pulp Show the next week every time to hopefully some sort of feedback or or something, and I don't. I've never heard. He's like, oh, uh, I didn't listen to the last couple weeks. Yeah, he always tells me like, uh, you know, he he already listens to so many podcasts. He he tries to squeeze them in when he's traveling. Been, yeah, and every once in a while he'll listen, and you know, he he just usually gives me shit. So, I almost <laughs> would rather him not listen. <laughs> Kellen, how about yeah. you, man? Are you on board with with Steve Wafflin? Because if if you say anything different, I'm probably just going to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 not. I mean, like he he gets a little bit too excited for Troll Train and kind of forgets uh, where we are with the Troll Train at this point. I mean, we're on, what, year 11 of the saga? Uh, it's kind of at the point where, like, he bagged on Marty for a long time, and, you know, A-Marty is his name. I start calling him a little bit. Oh, nice. I like A-Mart, but, I like A-Mart, but he's getting up there a little bit in age. Like, he's kind of exhausted a lot of opportunities, and I feel like for him it, it's almost to the point where it's like, hey, time to go and see what you're made of up there, you know? Man, you're going to have Steve and producer Joe from Main Event coming after you with those comments. Uh, don't worry. I'll, I'll see Steve tomorrow. I'll tell him. We'll, <laughs> we'll hash it up. Producer Joe won't like it either, though. He's a, you know, I don't know if you guys listen to Main Event, but producer Joe claims to be Amart's dad. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to schedule talk. The 2021 Supercross schedule was dropped Tuesday, but Steve had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen. They put it up on the screen. Let's uh, listen to them, and then we'll discuss our thoughts. Okay, so we know this from everybody we talked to, not officially, but off the record stuff. They want fans. Yes. And and the way they're going, Houston, Indy, Glendale, Dow, these seem like venues with fans. We're right? not going racing without fans. Yeah. You want fans there? Mm-hmm. You want a fan fest of some sort, right? Yep. How, how does that important. work for you guys? How does that? It depends on. It, it honestly depends on what the regulations are. We yeah. don't. We don't know. Like, because I think I think that they're still trying to work all that out, which is why it's taken so yeah. long. But for for you guys though, like we did the fly racing Pulp Mech show in the pits. Yep. Yep. I was waiting. Fly for racing that. radio. <laughs> waiting for that. I was giving you your moment. Are we gonna do that again? Yes. Do we know? We have every intention of being able to put the show back in yeah. the pits. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be mean all the vendors, Monster and everybody else that sponsors Supercross, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, from everything I've heard, which I have not had direct conversation with them, I think FanFest is a very important part of their dynamic for sponsors. Yeah. And without that, you have to rewrite or relook at everything. You know, obviously 2020 is so weird, but I wonder if we're going to, like like Salt Lake and like the Nationals, I wonder if we're going to learn something about our sport and that changes going forward. Are we stuck to a grind of 17 supercrosses in 18 weeks that that we know wears everybody out right 
I think having the 18 days off, sorry, having the 18 days off and then three in a week is great. Yeah, I agree. But I think, I think you have a problem there because long-term you want to go back to normalcy, right? You want to go back to what makes money and what mm -hmm. you want to sell out. You want to sell 45,000, yeah. 50,000 yeah. tickets. Yeah. Going to a city three times in a week, you're not going to be able to do that. We're not even going to be able to be able, allowed to sell 45,000. So now you're talking about yeah. selling like 20,000. Yeah. If that. Right. Yeah. I don't think long term that's good for them. I think they're going to want to go back to, hey, we need to be in this city once, yeah. get all the people, all the money, and then move on to that city yeah. and move on to that city. So well, you got a factory in Monster Jam too, because a lot of the stuff they do coincides yeah. with that. So. All right. Uh, Kellen, I hate. I hate to agree with what JT said there at the end about, you know, you can't really go to these cities three times. You, you got to go to different cities because you need 45,000 people in the seats every week. I hate to say that because I love the fact that there's three Houston's and there's three Dallas's and like, you know, if they added San Antonio, that'd be fantastic too. But he's right. No, he, he, he's absolutely right. And living in California, I mean, I have absolutely seen this pretty much, my whole life, like when Anaheim had three rounds, the second round was notoriously a lot quieter. Like it was maybe 70% people at capacity. Um, and, and it would ramp back up for the third one because everyone would have went to the opener and then got excited about it again and went to the third. And then, you know, they went to the Georgia Dome twice, I think, in 2015 or so. And, again, that's a stadium that normally is rocking for the one race they have there. But right. attendance kind of fell off for the second one that they had. So, I think, again, like Feld is going to look at that very closely this year, even if they can only get so many percentage capacity at these stadiums and be like, you know, there, there was a lot of talk in these press conferences that we had with them on Tuesday about, you know, what, is, what are their plans? Are they looking at midweek races? Is that something that you can entertain in the future? Uh, but I think if, you know, they go to, you know, these Texas rounds and the Tuesday races, they're allowed 35% capacity, but they only sell 25% of the seats or something like that. It's going to give them a real indication on how difficult this would be to have on the schedule moving forward. Yeah, it's something – this obviously was Monday night, and then Steve and JT did a little podcast over the schedule Tuesday morning before the media call that you guys were involved with. And something that wasn't brought up on either of those two pods that I think is official – uh, is that there's not there's not going to be any Supercross futures, which actually surprised me, Connor. Oh yeah, I didn't. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to that. So I mean, they were definitely talking about that, um, which we'll probably get to later. But with the Daniel with Daniel segment, like the whole futures thing, and yeah, I mean that definitely surprises me as well because I I think we kind of learned that this year that that was a way for them to make more money. And to kind of offset some of the costs like that. I mean, that's why the outdoors did a bunch of amateur days. Yep. So they could get, get more fans in and get more attendance and the promoters got more money. And, um, yeah, that's definitely surprising. I, I wasn't aware of that. Well, again, I don't know if they've officially said that. Uh, I, I learned uh, that. It is. Okay. I, I had. Yeah, they, they basically said that they talked to a lot of local health officials at all these venues they wanted to go to. And they're like, like when they told them that they would like to have this event where they're probably going to have another 700 people show up and race on the next day, a lot of the health officials are like, ah, not so sure about that. Okay. So their plan is they're, they're going to work with the AMA and MX Sports even. They said this in the call 
to come up with a plan for how riders will earn points to race for their Supercross license next year, so it's not having to be run through futures. So they're going to entertain things like Loretta's and Minio's and other things like Perfect. that for earning points to race Supercross. Perfect. Good to know. Good to know. I'm glad. See, I'm glad. See, I wasn't involved with this media call. I didn't get asked. So that shows where I fall in the uh, the the totem pole of things. But uh, Connor, the other thing, well, hey, if, it, if it makes you feel better. I was going to say, if it makes you feel better, Dark Side, I wasn't invited either, and I talk to Brendan all the time. I just happened to get the Racer X invite, so. Nice. Well, yeah, well, good for don't you. That's all right. I, I don't mind getting it secondhand. Uh, Connor, the other thing with that, just the, the comment of maybe we'll learn something, right, with these uh, having a couple weeks off in between, having some midweek races like we saw at Salt Lake City. Like, I think that's all well and good, but I don't see it changing. If, if everything, if the world goes back to normal, you know, say in 2022, no COVID, everything's normal, everything's back to full capacity, I think we go right back to the way it used to be for the, the business reasons of things, you know, of filling seats. And it, it's probably a little easier for teams maybe. to ha They like having those time off in the middle of the week for the guys to get some practice in. I just don't see us sticking with anything that's going on right now. Yeah, I don't. I think um, I think we just talked about it, but I know JT brought it up. Like uh, the hard part is if you're going to do a race, either one in the middle of the day on any day during the week, or two during the middle of the week. Like the people that are going to go to the race are people that are working, and a lot of everyone. I don't know how many, but like a percentage, but a, a good portion of them probably work in the industry, whether at dealerships or with different brands or something else. So like you're definitely going to lose a lot of the, a lot of the spectator and attendance and even TV viewing. If it's at noon on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know that any of us would be able to just sit down and watch for, for three hours in the middle of the day. No. So I don't, I don't know that a lot of things like, like those are going to change um, or, or stick. I don't think a lot right. of stuff, out of this or the Salt Lake thing or outdoors, like schedule wise and timing wise, I don't think is going to change, but maybe they do a Saturday, Sunday round and then they have the week off and then, and something like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't think they're the, the middle of the week thing is going to stick. No, I don't either. But I guess as things change, we'll, we'll hear about it first on Pulpomex almost for sure. Um, so I called in, Really didn't take any notes. There wasn't anything that great about my call other than I just I kind of wrote down that I told Max, hey, you know, Steve wants more money for the Fly Racing Radio Show that he won't even he refuses to even call call it by its name. I'll do it for half, and I'll be at most of the races anyway. So let's make that happen, Max. Um, oh, of course, and Steve asked me if I was happy with my fly deal, and you know, I'm I'm never gonna be like Steve and try to get more out. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take what. I'll take what I feel like I deserve. I got a raise. I'm happy. So, yeah, maybe maybe Max and JT, they'll see, you know, that I'm a little easier to deal with, guys. <laughs> You're selling yourself for sure, Dark Side. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a long <laughs> way to go. But, anyway, it's all in fun. All right, Kellen, I'm going to let you uh, I'm gonna let you tell me what you thought about the Ben Watson interview. I know you're a huge GP guy. Um, dude wins Lomo. Pretty had a pretty cool story, man. What what do you think about him? Pre-recorded interview, but uh, I didn't know a lot about Ben. I thought it was really interesting. Oh, I mean, I 
I just love it. The fact that Mathis is having GP riders on his show at all, I mean, I just was over the moon. But, uh, no, it was really good to hear from Ben. Uh, I listen quite often to, like, podcasts and stuff in Europe as well, so I'd already kind of heard more or less what the deal was with him signing with the factory Yamaha team for uh, the MXGP class next year and um, kind of his thoughts and everything and how he was feeling at Lomo, which he was just consistently getting better. He went third, second, first in the, in the triple header there. So, um, But it was just good to hear, you know, from an American standpoint, Mathis and JT more or less grilling him on questions about, you know, hey, the Star Yamaha bike is really good over here. Where do you guys feel like you're lacking over there where the KTMs are seemingly better and, and, mm-hmm. and things like that? It was nice insight to hear kind of his thoughts on an outsider's perspective on the USA racing versus what he's dealing with and trying to get his bike set up for uh, racing in the GP scene. Agreed. Uh, Connor, you had some notes on Ben Watson as well. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm a, uh, as big of a GP guy as Kellen. I know he's, he's all into it. I, I definitely appreciate watching them. Um, I get kind of blown away by watching all of those and I, I pay for the package. I watch every race. I kind of, want to pay attention to more of those than than the outdoor nationals that i race at most of them anyway but um i I think a couple of the things that i took away from the watson um the watson call-in was was one of them doing three lomo races in seven days sounds absolutely batshit crazy like one moto at lomo sounds batshit crazy so doing uh three full days with two 30-minute motos and practice and all of that stuff like it just sounds terrible yeah i don't i don't even know and he's like oh i was kind of sore the first day but like the second (laughs) third ones were all fine like dude you're a fucking robot like i don't even know how that's possible but um it was kind of interesting hearing them talk about uh the schedule stuff with with watson like um because it sounds like they've been running more of a u.s type um race day schedule which is something that i actually got to do i did the usgp in charlotte in 2016 um and if you remember there was a, a hurricane that came through like that week so they actually condensed that race into a one-day schedule so like for us the couple americans that did it coming from uh or getting switched to a u.s kind of race day program was was kind of cool but the best thing that i liked about it was they gave us a full 20 minute free practice and everyone just rode like it wasn't like the u.s nationals where you do two laps and then the third lap you're going as fast as you can and you get arm pump and there's people jumping over you and there's people laying on the ground and it's just chaos um that that free practice that i got to do in charlotte was was super fun and made the track end up a lot better because people weren't following one goat trail of a line so um that was kind of interesting just to hear what what Watson had to say about like the difference in the schedule and how it um, kind of changed and and just hearing his thoughts on how much they rode on normal weekends yep uh, was definitely interesting just hearing his insight on that yeah definitely I, I, I like I said I didn't know a lot about Ben ahead of time uh, you know other than just watching some GPS but yeah I thought it was really good I'm glad I'd like to have Steve get some more of those guys on I'm a big Geyser fan. I got to interview him early on the COVID time over, you know, over uh, Instagram live for a Cherbies, and that Tim Geyser was one of the coolest, most humble dudes I've ever talked to. 
And like, I would love to hear him on pulp if, if Steve could ever make that happen. He may not have the same connections I do, so maybe he can't make it happen. I don't know. But, Steve, if you need help, I, I could probably get Geyser for you. So, anyway, Daniel Blair. That's our, that's our next uh, guest on the phone. I've got a little piece of audio that I want to play just because it makes me laugh because I'm a Niners fan, so hang tight. So, Daniel, let's talk about your Dallas Cowboys. I mean, seriously. Oh, my God. You love the Cowboys. I, I, I can't even come up with the word to describe how much of a letdown they are. Hey, DB, I know you're listening. I've got room for you on the Niners train, dude. All you got to do is ask. I'll get you a ticket. Uh, all right, Kellen, you, what do you think about Daniel, man? Is he, he's, kind of a, he's not a very good guess, I don't think. Uh, did you just say that you're a Niners fan, Darkside? I did not know that about you. Die hard. And I'm a fan of Daniel Blair, just to clarify. But, yeah, oh, yeah, dude. I've been a fan since I was 10 years old, I think. Wow. So you guys literally live in the wrong yeah. spot oh, yeah. with each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a big Cowboys fan and lives in NorCal, and you're a big yep. 49ers fan and lives in Texas. All right. Well, didn't know that. Um, but, yeah, this, this, the Cowboys this year, really the whole NFC East, I believe it is, is so bad. atrocious, and it's really funny to watch uh, the downfall. I have I have friends that are Giants fans, and they're just mm. beside themselves. Well, um, obviously, yeah, living where I live, most everybody I work with, my stepdaughter, Cowboy fans, and I'm like, hey, what's that score? How's that game? So, just trust me, I had my years. You know, I moved here in 91, right about the time the Cowboys went on those big runs. And, you know, two or three out of four years, between 91 and, what, 95 or, or whatever, they they beat the Niners in the NFC Championship. So, and it just killed you. Oh, it was the freaking worst. I hate <laughs> the Cowboys. Like, I hate the Cowboys more than I love the Niners. Walking into Cowboy Stadium, when you right before you go through the glass doors to get to the press box, if you look to the left, there's a picture of Steve Young laying on his butt and Charles Haley in a Cowboys jersey standing over him. And, oh, it just irks me every time I walk in that building. So, yeah, I, I love seeing them do poorly. It just it makes me happy. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> All right, I, enough football talk. The big topic, Kellen, that I took away from Daniel – uh, is man, poor Jacob Hayes. You know, he's he's he had that horrible crash, broke his femur, a number of other injuries, and apparently he's still got some things going on. Let's play that and we'll talk about that. Yeah, so I, I don't even, I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying this because I just said it on my show too, but uh, he actually had some somewhat minor complications um, with oh his recovery. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys know he broke his femur, yeah. and it was compound, it was pretty brutal. Um, but he actually had uh, a little complication this week where uh, an x-ray showed that there are some screws and pins from the plate that may have broken off the plate. Oh, boy. I even told him the other day, I said, you know, this this whole thing about getting a ride and what your 2021 looks like, I mean, man, there's a lot of guys out there. I mean, I was looking at the numbers today. Hartraff, 28. Shimoda, 30. Drake, 33. And as far as I know, these guys aren't signed yet. Mumford, like, yeah. Man, Mumford, what, a rough, yeah. what a rough time to be a really good 250 rider. And uh, I just, I, again, Jacob falls into that category. He's more of a, a Supercross specialist. So he'd be a perfect kind of guy to be a Supercross only, maybe a fill-in guy, but it's all just kind of dependent on um, on the healing and then what happens with all these other guys because there's just really good dudes that don't have anything yet. And it's it's yeah. usually the 450 class we talk about, but, man, now yeah. it's 250. It's really weird. Yep. 
Kellen, some good points about it being a very tough time for some really good 250 riders, but obviously just breaking news that's, at least for us, for me, it was and devastating, man, really, for Jacob. Now, he, now D- Daniel says maybe add a couple of weeks to recovery, but I feel like that might be wishful thinking. Yeah, you just kind of hope it doesn't turn into more or less the J-Mart situation, which was he yeah. was you know, get fully healed from the back injury, and then he had complications with infections and other things like that that took him many steps backwards, and he had to have it all replated, redone, all this stuff like that. So for his sake, you hope, like you said, that it's just a couple-week deal, he can get back on the bike. But from Blair's standpoint, you know, like he's saying, there's so limited rides in the 250 class that it's going to be tough going for, for Hayes to the point where he almost may do himself a favor by not being – uh, almost like 100% ready to go at the opener, and then he can fill in for somebody mm, good point. Uh, if an opportunity comes up like that. So hopefully he's in a position to do that and, and it doesn't keep him on the sidelines for too long. Yeah, because Connor, I mean, Jacob's a guy that has been in contention to win some races. Like he He's a, a guy that can win a Supercross race. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, like Kellen just said, like, uh, I kind of got the same impression from Daniel that almost like uh, not that it was a, a good thing but like the timing kind of worked out um because i don't he he it doesn't sound like he signed back with aje right uh no i don't think so there was talk yeah, of it so, but i don't think so as of yet so I, yeah i i mean i think kind of like getting the same impression that kellen did like i, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise um it, if it ends up being just like he has some screws and it's not like affecting anything and they just have to go back in and and take him out then i think it is only a week or two like nothing like it's just going to be stitches i hope so um and 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 a pretty easy procedure and stuff like that so yeah i hope so i've met jacob a couple times he's a super good dude and and he was definitely on a roll yeah uh right before he got hurt so it was it was a bummer to see to see that so i yeah i hope for the best and hope he can figure something out uh, uh connor what else with daniel blair stood out because the the evan the evan blair his son's story was i i feel like daniel's trying to be a good parent but it also it sort of sounded aggressive like it was kind of funny hearing yeah. him like yeah it just i, I didn't let him ride you know it, it was kind of I, I thought it was a pretty entertaining story but i know that he's trying to teach evan a, a good uh, lesson yeah i i think i i kind of get it from both sides like being growing up racing with my dad i, I feel like if i did that my dad would have pulled my ass out of the race too yep. um but like being older i think i kind of get it from from this side now too my like, that's kind of aggressive but <laughs> i think i'm pretty sure they were pretty close to home i think at at the race if i if they went to their one that i saw um but i i love all of the Evan stories that Daniel has and like following them on Instagram. I don't know if you saw the, the crashes that Evan had at that one race yeah, a couple weeks, yeah. or a couple months ago. And like just hearing the stories about it, it's, it, it's, it's great. I mean, Daniel's a super knowledgeable guy. Obviously we see him on TV all the time, but uh, just like his, his viewpoint and his insight on stuff and his hot takes are uh, some of, they're just incredible. They're like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's, Chase Sexton, it's, 2021 yeah, Supercross both, champ. Both titles, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Some of the stuff that he comes up with is is way too far-fetched, but some of it could possibly come true also. Well, I think that's what he says. He throws stuff out there, 
and you know, at some point, something he says is going to come true, and he's going to look yeah. like a genius. We're all gonna... exactly. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's skip. We got a couple more things here. Uh, early in the show, obviously, Tits Legendary. He was in studio for a little bit because they got some more tomahawk steaks. Tits brought his grill over in the back of his truck because he didn't trust Steve's grill. Uh, I'll go with you first, Kellen. You, uh, I, I, I got to try one of these tomahawk steaks. I know they, uh, they're making my mouth water. Them talking about it, like melting in their mouth and uh, <laughs> freaking tits grilling out in the street. I mean, you know, you've been there, Dark Side. Like you know that that neighborhood isn't like a loose neighborhood, kind of buttoned up HOA type of little you know small neighborhood. And it's just funny <laughs> you turn down that road, see tits legendary in the back of the truck just grilling away on those things. Um, but yeah, the steak sounded good. It was funny to hear Steve try to get closure on steak gate. Uh, right. But we're never going to let him live that one down because that whole situation was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but, yeah, Tits Legendary and now Steak Legendary. I don't know. <laughs> we got to come up with a new name for him. Yeah, I think I think JT's kind of let it go. But um, I, I was impressed, Connor, that even Pookie tried the steak because she's a vegetarian, but she took a bite. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a testament of how good this thing actually is. Uh, it's like Kellen just said, it, it sounds delicious i love steak too so for me like this sounds like something i i really need to try uh i and like you were just saying kellen i i think uh the tomahawk tits thing makes me laugh every single time they say it yeah <laughs> i'm laughing right now uh, yeah. but speaking of steaks get yourself some ma deuce from uh grill your ass off and bake you some steaks yeah, I, I, I made ribeyes Friday night, I believe, for me and my stepdaughter, we're the only two that really eat steaks in the house. And, yeah, they were – oh, God, they were good. Yeah, I'm going to do it as soon as we hang up. Yeah, make it happen. <laughs> um, okay, Future Headlines is back. Connor, you and I talked about this on the Classic Wrap-Up Show last week. Had no idea coming into this week we were going to get them back. Pulpamex and Fly Racing soar together for years to come. B. <laughs> Or, 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 how do you feel about my future headline segment so far? Pretty good so far. Yeah? You like it? Pretty funny. Okay. All right. Fine. What the hell is a Future headlines. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Great segment. That is open for sponsorship, by the way, from Future Sheen- headlines? Yeah. Uh, Kellen, how do you feel about future headlines? I think it's funny, man. Like, it get, it kind of got like a bad rap where all of his guests thought it was stupid, or you know, particularly JT thinks it's really stupid. But that's what's it's funny. Another about one it. of those. Well, it's a, it's a segment to me where it adds like Mathis being a goofball to the show. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, he does the or thing all the time, which you repeated there in the in the sound clip. It, to me, it's like Mathis saying rapid fire after the X-Brand tear-off thing. Like, it's another one of the Steve-isms, if you will, that could be like a drop of him saying, or, and then, like, you know, we could even tease him with coming up with our own future headlines when we see him at the stadium next or something like that, you know? Perfect. Uh, so I like it because it just it adds more, you know, depth to the show, a little bit more Steve that we uh, get to kind of see the true Steve come out in. So I like it. Yeah, you know, JT said he kind of he didn't he actually was okay with it this particular week. He kind of mentioned that you know Steve always put him in these positions where they had to be two absolutely ridiculous either ors, 
and that's what he didn't like. But the fact that Max was laughing, like I was watching him laugh, and when Steve asked him, "What do you think of it?" He's kind of he was giggling, you know, shaking, laughing when he was telling Steve. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. And I so in turn, I'm watching him laugh, and I'm sitting on the bed in the bedroom, laughing at him laughing. So yeah, I think it's good. I think it's something. I only think it should be done when JT's in, but I think JT needs to be more in more so we could do it more. I liked it a lot. Um, so maybe we'll see some more of it. I don't know if everybody else loves it or not, but it, it's a fantastic segment as far as I'm concerned. Another good segment is the Motosport tweet at tits, even though it's Talon. Steve forgot that Talon wants his own uh, intro, and Max was a little a little confused. And the the tweet that I kind of that be turned into a big topic on this segment was the retro gear. Let's hear about it. Are you guys ever going to make some retro gear? I know you haven't been around that long. We did. So is that the problem? We did. Nashville, two years ago. Yeah, I don't like that. We did the white. white. Okay, it's just good, white. Good talk. It was just white. Like that's the problem. That was the gear from two thousand four. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the problem. Is everybody like, oh, you're going to build retro? Where am I going to go? Oh, three. Fly stuff. Make retro colors. Like a, you know, like a, like do the flow stuff, do the, you know, the '90s looking gear. So this is a debate because I feel like if you're doing a retro gear, you have to be retro to who you are to the company, okay. not just building a retro gear to build a retro gear. Okay. It's not even retro then; it's just neon colors. Yeah, we weren't. Not, a, the company wasn't around. I, I'm aware. But, yeah, like yeah. if that's that's why we did the white gears because that is yeah. a retro yeah, 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 gear yeah, to yeah, us. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I got that. Okay. If we had gear in 1992, we could bring that back. So we're gonna be retro of a different brand no for us it would be like faking it that's not who we are that's what pookie does all the time on on one hand it would be like a cool look but on the other hand it would be very easy for anyone who wanted to just be like what are you guys doing you you weren't even around then connor uh i i agree with max you have to be true to the company you can't you can't go back and do basically what c was asking Color wise, color scheme wise, is something that's not true to fly. I think I, I think that I don't like it. I don't like the idea of that. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, and I, I mean I I agree with JT too. Like, and you're you're not making retro gear. You're just making something that looks different. It's not like same thing like what you just said with Max. Like, it's not true to the company. Like, that's the point of the retro gear is doing a throwback. Like. I think they did a great job with the with the whatever the 04 whatever year they said the all white, white throwback yeah. from Nashville. Like I know Kiefer loves that stuff, but that's like I, I that's kind of the point, and that's what what Steve always talks about when Fox does it is it's uh it's whatever twenty thirty something year old gear set that they brought back that looks the exact same, and that's why he thinks it's cool because it was cool twenty years ago, not because. It's a cool design that would have been cool twenty right. years ago. So. Yeah. Uh how about you, Kellen? Who's who's uh who are you on board with? Yeah, I mean I I agree with what JT and Max are saying. Like their their brand almost hasn't existed long enough to have these cool throwbacks. Like to my mind, like you, you almost think of like maybe Andrew Short in some cool gear in like two thousand and nine ish or something. Right. But it's it's not it's, that's almost not far enough back. Like, I feel like we need to have another five to ten years before we can throw it back to that stuff and be like, oh, remember the shorty days or the canard days? And Absolutely. Kind of relive that a little bit. But, yeah, I, I totally get what they're coming from because, yeah, they just can't make gear to match some other brand from the 90s or 80s. They are their own brand. They are their own company, and they have to kind of represent themselves that way. Right, and, and Kellen, why did Steve get so irritated when – 
JT was making the point about the white gear. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> like, I thought the white gear was was cool because it definitely like the, it was the old fly logo. Like, it was definitely yeah. throwing it back to the roots, which is more or less what Steve I think was asking about in the question, where he's like. Hey, you know these other companies that do the cool stuff that they did with chicken back in 1992. Like, why don't you do that? And they're like, Well, we did. We just like did our, uh, you know, David Villeman throwback to 2004. And, and Matt was like, Ah, whatever. You just, yeah. I don't know. No, Doesn't make any sense to me. He wanted like the uh, the extreme, like the extreme gear colors, but on fly. Like that's yeah. He didn't he didn't want what they were offering, so he he was over it pretty quick. He was he didn't <laughs> want to hear it. Um, okay, so we all know. That Steve loves to bust my balls. Uh, it's what he seems to be do uh, pretty much at all times when it comes to me. A little piece of audio. Lords of the Black Berm Sock Mafia. Excuse oh me? Oh, God. <laughs> what is it? Lords of the what? Lords of the Black Berm Sock Mafia. Wow. Dark Side. It's Dark Side. Dark Side's got this fucking graphic company called, uh, uh, what is it? Black Ber- Berm. Berm Lords. Berm Lords. Berm, Berm Lords is his graphic company. And then Black company. Sock Mafia. And then he's in a group of guys that are 45, 50 years old, and they call themselves Black Sock Mafia. Do they all have ponytails? I don't know, bro. But It might be part of their, like it, part of it to get in. It, it's a Berm Lord Is graphic. this like part of the Illuminati? <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask you, Connor. Is Berm Lords any worse a name than Roost Graphics? Roost MX? Uh, be honest. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I don't think any like it's it's cool. It's it's Thank it's you. in with the with the like I don't know. It's on brand. Like it's about motocross and like about motorcycles. And I I think it's I, it's all good. I think you guys. I just can think run Steve it. has to find something to give me shit about, Kellen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. The only thing I will say is that, like, Berm Lords, like, you could say, like, it sounds kind of like Wheelie Boys or something stupid like that, but I, who cares? Like, it's a it's a cool name. It's related to the sport. They have a company. They're branding themselves. They're they're getting their name out clearly because Steve yeah. keeps talking about them, so yeah. why not, you know? Uh, yeah, I love the fact that Steve keeps bringing it up and the Black Sock Mafia thing, which, I don't know, I think it's funny. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to tell so you So does guys. everybody in that group have ponytails or not? No, <laughs> I think just me. Oh, man. No, no, hate to hate to kill the, the myth, but no, it's just, uh, Darn it. just a, it's just a bunch of badass dudes from Texas that ride dirt bikes, man. That's just the way it is. Yeah, so, I've, met, I've yeah. met most of them. Yeah, and if you don't know, you don't need to know. So, <laughs> But speaking of the ponytail, let's play our last piece of audio for tonight. Ponies? Long hair is one thing. If you're like a rocker chick like that. I th- I bet he takes that all the rubber bands out yeah. and just gets loose <laughs> on the weekend. Loose. I bet you that like on a on a weekend where they have no plans and yeah. like babe just clear the schedule, <laughs> they get like an old Firebird, wheel it up in the driveway. She's like rolling around on yeah. it, and he's just with the hair. Yeah. And there's eighties here I go eighties music in the background, and it's just yeah. hair, and she's flopping around on the hood of a Firebird. I could see it right now. Someone's got to – we got to have an intervention. I think it's fine. Just like my ketchup, it's fine. Yeah, okay. There should be a, a, a rubber band limit on ponies. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are three rubber bands, you're okay. And if you got five, which I think he's got, got he's got five or six going on, gotta we, got, we got to trim that thing up, bro. I think it's fine. It's majestic. It's majestic. It's majestic. Did you call it majestic? It is. Yeah. When I wow. see him walk through the press box, I'm like – Dear God, look at look at the 
the length and the girth on that thing. <laughs> to commit to hair that long, it shows to me it's like a, a loyalty thing. If you're that committed to your hair, you're going to probably commit to everything. Like you're going to be all in on most things, which I think fits yeah. his personality. Yeah. I, I'm good with it. I think it's awesome. Well, I'll take the compliment from JT there at the end. Uh, and, yeah, if you guys could see what Amber and I do on the weekends, we got our Rainmaker going. Shoot, boy, it's like a 19 19- I have a feeling that, that that JT's description is pretty accurate of what possibly <laughs> happens on off weekends. It's like a 1980s Motley Crue video <laughs> up in our in our, yeah. in our garage. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just going to let you guys – I'm not even going to uh, tell you how things really go down because – you don't again like like the Black Sox Mafia. You don't need to know. So, <laughs> but I don't know what Steve's deal is with me cutting my hair. It's uh, it's kind of become part of how people know me. So I kind of I think I'm gonna keep it yeah. until it. Like Max said, you know he has no hair. So if my hair ever got to that point where it I'm balding, then yeah I'll, I'll reevaluate. But the uh, yep. Steve, you Run don't. It for now. Steve does not get to regulate my life like he tries to do with JT and his keto. Uh, it's, Steve just needs to control things, and I think he's got you got to have to let that go, brother, because I'm keeping my hair. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, I had I asked Kiefer this when he was on about a month or so ago. Be honest, you know, whatever, and uh, you could be honest with me. You guys are my friends. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Kellen, take it. I like. I mean. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I like the pony because it is absolutely like a signature thing of you. Like, we know Dark Side by the pony. Like, isn't there a Twitter account called Dark Side Pony? Yeah. Something like that. So, yeah. That's, um, you know, that started after your boss, Weege. I think it started after this when Weege used it on the Nationals a couple years ago. That was really? The, that was the word right, of the day. Right. Hangtown yes. 18, I think. Yeah. Barsha was going into the half pipe and he said, Barsha's riding that like Dark Side's ponytail. <laughs> but, uh, like, honestly, I think that, you know, the media in our sport doesn't – we don't really have, like, enough personalities, honestly speaking. I feel like, you know, we don't – Mathis is his own personality for sure. Weeds, JT, they're, they're their personalities and stuff like that. But beyond that, we don't really know some of these other guys, whereas you look at other sports and, you know, there's personalities aplenty. Like, every major publication and major news source has personalities that they shove in your face all the time. And I like that you, Dark Side, have your own kind of, you know, mantra about you. You have your own style. You have the, the pony. You have these things about you that makes you more noticeable and recognizable in the industry. So, I mean, I would say just keep doing you, man. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, Connor. There's been moments over the last couple of years where I've thought about it. You know, oh, man, maybe it needs to go. It needs to be a little shorter. But, dude, I've had long hair. I started growing it like 95, a couple years out of high school. And, and partly is because... Like Steve, I grew up in the 80s, hair bands, as he talked about. He kept saying hair bands only had it shorter length. I don't know, man. I grew up with like being fans of guys like Sebastian Bach from Skid Row and all these guys with hair, and I wanted long hair so bad. But my mom was so strict and so uptight, I wasn't allowed to have long hair. So as soon as I graduated and was kind of starting to get out on my own, like, all right, growing my hair, and I've never looked back, you know, I <laughs> As as some of my idols have lost their hair or cut their hair, Connor, I've kept it and I, I like it, yeah. man. And my chick, Amber, does like it. Like she she gets upset when like Kiefer, not mad, but she, when Kiefer said I should cut it, she's like, "What? What the hell? What's wrong with him? No, you're not cutting it. If you cut your hair off, I'm cutting all my hair off, and I don't want her to cut her hair off either. So, uh, yeah, I'm down, dude. I'm I keep- think, go ahead. Yeah, I I mean, like Kellen just said, he he went in 
into it a, a lot and get, had a, a ton of good points about it. I think like that's how people know you. And, yeah. and, and even like, like JT said, it's, it's fucking majestic. Like <laughs> you got to run it. You can't change now. Like you've been doing it for however long and, and you keep it. That's how people know you and, and your chick likes it. And whatever she says goes. One of these days I need to walk into the press box with it actually down. The only problem is yeah. my hair is so thick, as JT was saying. It doesn't stay back. Like, <laughs> it just falls straight down on my face, and I can't see shit. So yeah. the only time it makes any sense to put it down is when I'm at a concert and I am slinging it, which I'm getting yeah. kind of too old for that because now my neck hurts. So <laughs> I think we need a video of this, though. Like, we need to – Yeah. We need – we need to let the people know why you have a pony, and it's for that exact instance when you're going to a concert and you let it down, or when you're doing a video shoot in your driveway with your chick on a weekend. Like yeah. the reason why you have it, the smoke machine and the get, rain. Yeah, you need to get that out to the people to let them know, and then everyone will be like, "Oh shit, that makes sense." Well, maybe we can have make that happen when things get back to normal. We get some concerts going. You know, yeah. I actually remember now, I just thought of this. I think my voice just broke. I may have just hit puberty. Um, I, I want to say that Steve or somebody, somebody was made a deal with me. Like, they were, if I would go ride, like, to take video of me riding with my hair down, and then that never happened. I don't remember. I just, I just had that thought, that memory, but I can't remember. I, I guess I need to make some videos, but they're going to have yeah. to be, like, worth We'll do that something. at the Houston parking lot party. Okay, at the, at the grill your ass off. Pulpomex wrap-up show tailgate party. Yeah, maybe maybe the hair will be down. Maybe we could get some, like, main event band playing in the background and, yeah, yeah start a little mosh they, Yeah, they have a podcast, too, don't they? Main event? Yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a nice moto podcast. It's pretty good. It's uh, it's not as good as the Moto X-Pod show, but it's not bad. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy, like, trying to come up with, with clever ways to – shout out other podcasts now on this one just because you don't or steve doesn't like when you do it so it's fun that's so dumb because again he said that right monday night when i called in too many mentions all uh, right it's not a show for promoting your show but he literally told me when he came up with the idea you can promote your show on there <laughs> that was literally yeah. one of the first texts he sent me about it <laughs> so uh, you should have screenshot it yeah i wish i had that was you know two years ago probably <laughs> a year and a half ago but anyway all right, guys, I think we're going to wrap up episode 442, um, call it a night. Kellen, Con uh, Connor, you guys got anything? Connor, do you got anything else? Uh, no, I think that clears up my notes. Like It was a good show. Um, I always love having JT in there and, and Daniel and Weege. And it was a good um, – I think it was a good show of, like, a lot of um, – what does he call it? Like, friend of the show. Yes. There was a lot of friends of the show on and then – with Hamaker and, and Mumford and some other guys thrown in there too. It was definitely a good show. Um, and this, this wrap up show was, is always good. I think, uh, Kellen brings a different perspective to it also. So it was cool having him on. And yeah, I like Kellen. He's, he's, he's good people. Kellen, you got anything else? Uh, no, I just like, uh, Connor saying it, it was a really good show and I'm happy when Steve does off season shows in general. I mean, I, I know I'm sure you guys as well, you know, when we're just hanging out in the middle of the week, we like listening to podcasts. And when Steve doesn't do one, I feel like there's a huge kind of like void from my week when you don't have pulp to listen to. So even if they're not, you know, super in-depth, informative about the Supercross season or anything like that, just the fact that 
it's a buddy show and they're hanging out and they're talking moto. It's always yeah. always good and glad to hear it again. Absolutely. Just to let you know though, uh, Kellen, you know, if there's a week where Steve doesn't put any material out, there's a couple other shows out there you could check out. Oh, I know. Believe me, there's a rotation that I have, but you take five hours of pulp out of it, and suddenly that yeah, rotation yeah, for sure. it gets a little bit shorter. <laughs> yep. well, Steve mentioned next week in studio Wes Williams and John Anderson from W Wheels. Wes Williams will be one of the co-hosts on the wrap-up show next week. It'll be, I think, his first time doing it, so I'm excited about that. Other than that, we're uh, – we're a wrap. I want to thank one more time Seal Savers, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Motosport.com. Thank you so much, Darkside, for the Moto Xbox show. Hit me up at Darkside at Pulpamex if you have any questions, any contents, contributions for uh, Hello Pookie. We're going to do some more of those real soon. Other than that, we're out of here. Thanks. Why would you want to re talk about the Pulp Show? <laughs> <laughs>